You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Right on. Okay, real quick, how many days until Christmas? One, two, three, go. Ten days. Are you excited for Christmas? Say yeah. Oh, come on, y'all. This is Jesus' birthday. Are you excited for Christmas? Say yeah. Yeah, awesome. I, I think it's exciting. We got a lot of exciting things going on. We have small group signups going on right now, which is really cool. We have 11 small groups. We have, uh, man, all kinds of different groups that are meeting. We have a, a trauma healing, a women's trauma healing group that's going to be amazing. We got a young professionals group. We have really just family focused groups, all kinds of different things happening. So I want to encourage you, sign up for small groups. So it always sneaks up on people. And then come January, people are like, man, I really, I really am just feeling and disconnected because we spent a lot of December, we got the parties, we got family, different things, but the choices you make right now will really affect your connectivity and your relationship in 2020. So I told you guys the very first time we talked about small groups, get 2020 vision in your life right now so that you can prepare yourself for the future. And I want to encourage you, man, if you've been a part of, a, of maybe a certain group, I, I want to encourage you, maybe try something fresh and new in your life if you are try if you're believing for something new so if you are believing for new things in 2020 then you got to try new things in 2020 and so I want to really encourage you guys um, man I, I'm just so thankful for this church I was thinking this weekend how thankful for, I am for this church thankful uh, for my friends in this church I was um, this last week uh, my dude Corey texted me and uh, or did I, did I just call you Corey my goodness I'm sorry it's a long day Sorry, my brother Casey just texted me, and he was like, hey, man, how's your, how's your day going? And uh, I was thinking about this, like, when we launched the church, thinking about the, the, the kind of men that we have in the church, and I'm just so thankful for, and that, that he would text me, and I, I always text a lot of people, and not a lot of people text me, and so Casey's like, hey, man, how are you doing? How's your week going? And I was like, man, didn't you start a job? Like, I should be texting you. But he, like, took that time to text me and to care. And so I've just been really loving what God's doing. And so I encourage you guys to connect into community. Um, something amazing that happened yesterday, if you were there, was we did our toy outreach. If you were there, say yay. Yay. Awesome. We gave uh, over 200-something-odd, 50 toys. We gave a bunch to the school to give to the shelter. We're donating a bunch to this outreach in Dunbar as well, and another one that's going to take a bunch up to the reservation. So it's been amazing to see what God is doing uh, with your generosity. It was fun. It was fun being there. I enjoyed watching people, like, hand out toys and help. It was really cool. Um, and just seeing smiling faces. And we love, if you're here and you were at that toy outreach, I was so glad that you were there. I'm thankful that you were there because you are part of, we're all part of the same community. We just love on each other. So that's what good community does. Um, I also want to encourage you, starting in January, we're going to be doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, if, you, if you've never experienced this, basically as a church, we're going to be diving in together and walking through 21 days of just praying for breakthrough and believing for breakthrough. We'll have resources for you that describe what fasting is, what that looks like in your, in your life. Uh, so if you're freaking out, like, what does this mean? I, like, can't eat for 21 days? That's not what I'm saying. Don't stress out. <laughs> like, don't freak out. What, what it is is we're going to do something collectively and, and really however the Lord leads you because it's about you and the Lord, because he's the one who brings breakthrough. I don't bring breakthrough in your life. Your friend doesn't bring breakthrough in your life. The Lord does. So it's how you're feeling led. And, and I just want to give you the tools to empower you if you're feeling led in that way. So we're going to have worship nights every Sunday night. It's going to be a blast. Uh, 
but we're really, really excited. We've been going through a series called Family Tree, and we talked about Rahab, and we talked about children because we had kids Christmas, which was adorable. And now we're going to talk about Ruth this morning. So if you brought your Bible, would you open it up to the book of Ruth? Uh, if not, the words are going to be on the screen. Uh, if you've never opened up to the book of Ruth before, find any book that's called Joshua or Judges at the beginning, the early part of your Bible. Just kind of, you might have to unstick some of these pages. You might not have ever opened these, but we're going to discover maybe something newer uh, in the Word of God in your life this morning. So go Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth is this tiny book right before Samuel. We're going to read there together. Uh, but I want to pray. Obviously, I need it. I'm tired. The, the, the outreach wore me out. Uh, but I want to pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to read your word. God, we thank you for a chance to study and to grow. And uh, God, we don't want to just be informed today. We want to be transformed today. So we pray, would you soften our hearts and would you open our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone else like that today where you're like, man, I was just running 100 miles an hour this weekend and my brain is still back in my bed and I, I called it about half an hour ago and it still hasn't showed up. <laughs> it's running late. Some of y'all, you should have brought it when you came. Uh, and I'm just trying to catch up. But I love the word of God because as we open the word of God, it doesn't have to be my words, it's his words. And I'm so thankful for that <laughs> this morning. Uh, but I loved it. I'm excited for this uh, th this. Uh, block party we're going to do. Thank you, baby. I love you. I'm excited for Reuben to cook me a cheeseburger, and then I'll probably just sit there and stare at a wall. Who knows what will happen? Who knows what will happen? Um, uh, yeah, I deserve to stare at a wall. I don't know if I feel good about that, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that was affirmation, but it didn't really feel like it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, uh, <laughs> I, I love a little bit about me. If you don't know me because you're newer, I love to research. My wife will tell you this. I love to discover things. Um, I love to get obsessed about things. Uh, it's one of my uh, better qualities and simultaneous worst qualities. Uh, I feel like I share that with other men. Like, we can't just be kind of into something. we got to be just, like, so into something. Uh, like, when I, I got into uh, gardening, and I didn't, like, I didn't, like, just plant a couple plants. I, like, got deep, like, deep into gardening. My, my mom and I seed share, and we, like, wash the seeds and pass them on and label them and get, have, like, a calendar. Where you, it's just way deep. Like, I couldn't just get a tomato plant. I had to go, like... I could get these organic seeds from Missouri and have them flown in. Anyways, but, but that's who I am. And so I love researching, but I love stories. And that's the reason that I love Des sharing about small groups. That's the reason I love sharing about Casey's messaging me. There's something about the story of when you build a story with someone else that connects you together. And, and I love stories, so I love researching stories. And I found this story about Mother Teresa. Has anyone ever heard of Mother Teresa? Yeah, of course, like so many people on earth have heard of Mother Teresa. Uh, and she's probably, like, one of the most universal figures, kind of regardless of generation, which is kind of amazing. Uh, and she is historically one of the most brilliant figures when it comes to sacrifice and love. Uh, I, I love stories about Mother Teresa. But I found this story when I was just, I don't know, researching something else about Mother Teresa when she was eight years old. Her name was Agnes then. And uh, young Agnes, her father, they were uh, Albanian. And there, her father was part of an independence movement, and he died mysteriously and suddenly when she was eight years old. And they were not wealthy. They were not rich people. And so uh, 
regardless of that, Mother Teresa's mother, we'll call her Grandmother Teresa, uh, decided to take in all of the street people and feed them. So mind you, her husband has passed away, not rich, but she takes in all of the people who were living on the street, all the people who, who, were, who were living around where they were, and she would bring them in and she would say to Mother Teresa, at the time Agnes, my child, never eat a single mouthful unless you're sharing it with others. And Agnes at the time, before she was ever Mother Teresa, would ask her mom, Mom, who are all these people? They're worshiping. Our little kids just go to town. It's awesome. Who are all these people who are eating with us? And Grandmother Teresa would say, some of them are our relations, but all of them are our people. And I think we see what Mother Teresa learned from her mother modeled in her life. And it's a special kind of love. Right, the word love has just kind of become this junk drawer that we throw all kinds of emotions into. But I think what we see in Mother Teresa is a very special kind of love. Because Mother Teresa doesn't, uh, didn't love people to get some kind of claim or fortune. She wasn't buying up property or local real estate. She wasn't established from some, some long legacy pedigree of people to retain some monarchy. She was not building power or, or her own authority. She didn't leave behind bank loads of money for a bunch of children that she moved into some kind of nepotistic sense of authority, right? She's not famous for any of that. She didn't retain any of that fame. She loved so deeply and so fiercely. And she's famous for the way she loved. She's famous for sacrificial love. And I think that's why we're so attracted to her as a figure historically. Is because the kind of love she gave is the kind of love we all really want, right? Because the kind of love she gave I feel like looks so different from the love that we see all around us, right? I think more than ever, as I reflect, and, and I love studying, again, and researching and studying uh, generations, and especially this next generation is struggling so much with the idea of love because the love that, that they've seen or are experiencing is so inconsistent. Right? It's not this Mother Teresa kind of love. It's like flavor of the month love. That culturally, whether you're young or old, culturally right now, we kind of have a flavor of the month love. Like, I love you. I'm committed to you as long as our tastes stay the same. But if my taste and your taste are different, we're not really going to be close. Where we have kind of like an until something better comes along love. Right, like I'm with you, I'm devoted to you, I'm committed to you, unless there's something that's a better opportunity or more convenient or more hyped or more cool or I get a text or there's something going on. More and more and more I think we see kind of a fear in one another that we won't be enough for somebody because something else will come along that gives them a better offer. And, we, and we, we see that all through culture. We have a love until it's inconvenient. I see people abandon each other because they're no longer convenient. They're no longer at the beck and call. They're no longer worth it. I see love break down because it's love until I just don't feel like I'm getting enough back. I... It's not a love that endures. See, see the love that we see in, in Mother Teresa, the love that we see sacrificially is so countercultural because it's so dependable. 
It can be counted on. It can be relied on. And I think we all long for a love that we can count on, right? Right? Like we all long for a love that we can just be ourselves, like sweatpants love. Like, you know what I mean? Like the kind of people, you don't got to dress up. I mean, you will because you don't want to embarrass them in public. But you wouldn't have to. Like if you did, they would still love you. Right? Sweatpants love. <laughs> yeah, it's the best love. Because <laughs> you can just be you. Now, I'm not talking about affirming your sin nature, love. I'm not saying follow you into the depths of bad consequences, love. Like, well, if you love me, then you would just destroy your life like I'm destroying. No, I'm not talking about that love. I'm talking about the love that says, yeah, I fully see your mess, and I'm willing to walk with you through it. And though what the world might deem as a better offer might come along, I'm not here for what you offer. I'm here for what you are. And we long for that in a spouse. We long for that in a family. We long for that in one another. We long for people that we can trust to not flake out on us. More than ever, if you want to show someone you love them, you have such an easy gig right now as a culture where you just have to show up. You just have to be there when you said you would be there. Isn't that crazy? Like we have so lowered the expectation of love that just your regular attendance is all that's needed to show someone that you deeply care for them. Why? Because there is a level of love that we're missing that that we long for as people that is faithful and consistent and loyal, that sees us fully as we are, that loves on us not because of what we can return, but because of the devotion to one another. We know what we long for. We long for the love of God. We long for the love of God reflected in other people. The love of Jesus reflected in other people. That's what we really are longing for. And I love the book of Ruth because I think the book of Ruth and Ruth reflects so clearly the love of God. And if you were with us when we started this series, we said, hey, the, the, the book of Ruth is going to, or we said um, the lineage of Jesus and the legacy of Jesus and the family tree of Jesus is going to show us how Christmas is for everyone. And so I want to show you one of these people that Christmas is for. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Ruth 1. If not, the words are going to be on the screen. And I'm going to do my best to not butcher these names, but y'all got to give me grace. Amen? Amen. Because there are some names up in this book. Um, <laughs> So here we go. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the, la- name of the man, roll with me here, was Elimelech. And the name of his wife, Naomi. See, that one's easy. And the name of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. Close enough. And they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went out to the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Okay, so... uh, a uh, group of, of Hebrews, there's a famine, so they leave and they go to Moab to find a place to live. A husband, his wife, and their two sons. They take for them wives when they're there. And then the husband dies and the two sons die. And so what's left in a male-dominated society is a older woman and her two 
uh, daughter-in-laws, not blood-related. So that's the setup that's occurring here, is uh, there is the mom becomes the head of the house, and then they have these two daughter-in-laws that are following with her. And so verse 6 says, then she arose, meaning Naomi, the mother, with her daughters-in-law, meaning Oprah and Ruth, to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly. Someone say kindly. If you like to write in your Bible, just mark a little spot so you remember this. We'll come back to that. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out to me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So let me, let me sum up what's happening here in this moment. Naomi is telling her daughters-in-law, listen, I, I understand that legally uh, if I had more sons, they would marry you and you'd be set because that's how it worked. If a son passes away, since you were married into the family, you wouldn't be cast out. And since there was a, um, there was a big uh, connection to people being married in certain, you know, in um, divorce and all these different things, you wouldn't be cast out or you wouldn't be pushed out of the inheritance. You would just marry the next son. You would receive a continued inheritance, be a part of the family. And Naomi's saying, listen, I don't have any more sons. And if I were to have sons today, you'd have to wait like years for these kids to be married. Why don't, I'm, I'm letting you off the hook. I'm letting you free. Go home, find some good-looking young Moabite dudes and make some more Moabite babies and be set. And so, um, I keep wanting to say Oprah, but Orpah, she says, okay, thank you, and she goes, which is not a bad thing. That was totally culturally normal. In response, Ruth does the culturally abnormal thing and clings to her and says, no, I'm going to go with you. And here's what Ruth says. Verse 15 says, uh, Naomi says, uh, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do to me, and uh, do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. There's an amazing word. If you underlined kindly, you can go back to verse 8 and hit it. But there's a word here that is being displayed because something powerful is happening. And it's the word hesed. And the hard part anytime you translate from a really poetic, deep language into English is um, we don't always have every word. And so the translator does their best to pick a word that's closely related. 
And so often you'll see like steadfast, loving kindness or different things, lots of different words. But there's a word here, hesed, that is deeper and stronger than any word that we have in English. If you're with me, say the word hesed. Hesed. Where's our brother Trey? Where's Trey at? Is he here? Is it a strong H, a H? Is it an H? It is? We all get down on that H? It's deep in there? All right, let's try it. Let's say it. My brother Trey knows what's up. Let's say it together. Chesed. It's, it's deeper than that, isn't it? It's stronger. It's going to be like, like yogurt for a week. Yeah. Okay, get in. Get in. Get in, get in there. We're going to do it again. You guys ready? There you go. That's going to be weird on the podcast. Say it with me. Ready? Chesed. Oh, we're so close. Ready? Chesed. I'm sorry, Trey. I love you. <laughs> We're not even close, brother, but I appreciate you humoring me. Uh, <laughs> but this is this really powerful term that, that I love. Say it one more time. I said, good job. See, you weren't sure if you were going to go deep on the H or not. You wanted to. You wanted to. <laughs> But hesed is this really powerful idea. It's one of, I think, one of the most powerful words in the Old Testament that continues, and it continues throughout Scripture. And it, it's a powerful idea that's captured in a word, is that it's a relational term that wraps up all these aspects of God. It wraps up all of these things in one thing. It wraps up a love, mercy, grace, kindness, goodness, benevolence, loyalty, covenant, faithfulness. Basically, it's the quality that moves a person to act for the benefit of another person without respect to the advantage it might bring to the person who expresses it. It's the kind of, said is the kind of love that is often translated as loving kindness, but it's so much deeper than that. If you know the gospel, that this is going to stick with you and you're going to mentally jump ahead or spiritually jump ahead. But hesed is the, is the kind of thing that happens, is the kind of love that happens when someone is in a situation that without outside intervention, the consequences are inevitable. And yet it happens because the, the person who can help is not motivated, cannot be controlled by the person who needs help, and is not morally obligated and yet chooses to lovingly care and help for this person because of their deep devotion to them. Are you with me? Hesed is a, a deep love. I think probably the best example that I could think of is um, I, I saw recently a, a child who was fully disabled except for the use of their mouth and their eyes and a little bit of speech. And I, I, I saw them eating at this restaurant we were at, and the, the mother was there feeding their, their child and, and feeding this kid who, under most situations, would, would possess no ability to feed themselves. See, that's said. The mom is not gaining any societal status. The mom's not getting on talk shows. The mom's not doing it because there's, like, a real estate deal in hanging in the balance. The mom is caring for their child who otherwise w would not have any care physically. They could not do it for themselves. She's caring because devotion, because love. Are you with me, amen? There's something special about chesed. That I'm going to sacrifice of myself for the sake of another person. It's loyal. It's a faithful love. Man, doesn't that sound good? But it's not just in theory. It's in action. This is what's amazing. said is in action. It is not a thought. It is not a 
boast. It is not a pity. It is an action. This is the heart of God. And it's the heart of Ruth. And so what we see that we find so identifiable and, and we long for this kind of devotion that would say, I'm going to leave everything behind. I mean, look at her commitment. She says, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. Think about that commitment. Where you go, I will go. Ruth is rejecting everything of herself. She's rejecting everything she's known. She's rejecting even the potential of her future. Single people, could you imagine saying this? Like, hey, you know what? I might be single for the rest of my life, but because of my devotion to you, person, I'm willing to lay everything down. That is a big deal. That is a powerful deal. That is a serious thing that is happening. But she's choosing to sacrifice for the sake of someone else. And that's because I'm going to tell you a couple things about what I said this morning. And I, I want you to ask some questions of yourself in this moment. Can we do that? Okay. I want to ask you two questions. One, have I received this kind of love? The second thing is, do I reflect this kind of love? So ask yourself two questions. I'm going to give you three things about Hesed as we hear the story of Ruth real quick. First thing, ask yourself the question, have I received this? Have I allowed myself to receive this kind of love? And the second question, ask yourself today is, do I reflect this kind of love? First thing about Hesed is Hesed is devotion in action. I love that Ruth is not being theoretical about following Naomi. It's not like, oh, man, my heart goes out to you. Prayers up, Naomi. <laughs> she is living in action. She says, okay, you know, Ruth is, or Naomi's like, hey, go back to your people. Ruth's like, no, 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 I follow you. I serve your God now. Where you go, I go. Where, where you die, I die. I'm committed fully to you. Naomi, I know you have nothing to offer. Naomi, I know you don't have any sons, you don't have any money, you don't have any future. You're not going to give me any clout or claim because I'm connected to you. In fact, I'm going to be broke. In fact, I'm going to be destitute. In fact, I'm going to be single. In fact, I'm going to be all of these things. I'm going to be a foreigner. I'm going to be unwanted. I'm going to be cast aside. But I'm devoted to you. And so I'm going with you. Can I tell you that's what I love about God? is God does not wait to love you until you have something to offer him. God does not wait to love you until you have something to prove to him. God is not looking to gain some societal status by your love. God loves you because of who God is and because he's devoted to you. That's Jesus. Jesus was not theoretical. Jesus was real. He really sat down with people who were really in need, and he really laid his hands upon them, and he really ate dinner with them, and he really spent time with them, and they really hated him for it. But I love Jesus for that, amen? That Jesus is this powerful reflection that has said true love is devotion in action. We love devotion in theory. We love to post about it, like prayers up. And I think prayer is powerful and important. We love to put love bumper stickers everywhere. 
But true love, this has said love, loving kindness, faithful love, the love that we long for is so much more. It's so much deeper. It is the deep covenant love of God that says, listen, I've loved you before you had anything to offer. You still don't got to offer me anything. I just desire to be with you and to love on you and to have relationship with you because I care. And Ruth reflects this love. Let's keep going. If you're still with me, say amen. Amen. Uh, let's jump to chapter 2, verse 1. Because here's where it gets interesting. Or, <laughs> Ruth 2, 1. It says, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the clan of Elimelech. Okay, do we honestly think she just happened to find this guy's field? No. <laughs> this, is the, this is the Lord moving in her life because she's faithful. And it says this, uh, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from the early morning until now except for a short rest. So she was a devoted hard worker. It says this, then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn, right? This is important because she was a foreigner. She had no one over her. She, in this time, uh, and still now, young women wandering around with a bunch of working men was a risky move. And so Boaz offers protection for her, And she says, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to the people you did not know before. I want to stop there. This is what is amazing is that what we see in this moment when Boaz comes out and he offers this to Ruth, when he offers this protection, this is Boaz recognizing his said in Ruth, this loving kindness, this loyal faithfulness, this care and protection, and then reflecting it back to her. 2.20 says this, it says, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. That word kindness, I'll give you a guess what it is. What is it? Oh, come on, get down there on the H. Get down on there. Chesed, there you go. Yeah, it's chesed. It's the kindness of Boab. Because what is so beautiful in this moment is that chesed is not just having compassion for, for those in authority or position or connection, Hesed is having compassion for those on the outside. See, God has established this principle. This is super cool. In the law, it said, okay, people of Israel, when you glean the field, when you harvest, don't harvest it all the way. But leave some so that those who are in need can come behind and pick it up. Think about this. He says, in fact, this is... Don't go all the way to the edge. If you have a field, don't go all the way to the edge. 
And they're like, well, we grew the whole field. We, like, worked hard for this. Anyone ever farmed? It's like work. I grew a tomato plant. It was a lot of work. So we grew all this. This is ours. I grew it. And he says, no, I want you to leave the edges of the field. Why? So that those who are in need, those who are a foreigner, those who are an outsider can come and they can begin to glean. They can begin to pick and harvest from the edges of the field. It's a provision that God put into place to care for those who had none. Because if you were a foreigner and you came into a country, you would have no field to pick from. And so the Israel response to those in need was not go back to Moab, get a job. It was we have set provision for those who are foreigners on the outside that they might have provision. Let me give you a modern context. Leave edges on your paycheck so that those who are foreign and hurting and in need or impoverished can still eat. He says... Not only do I set up these standards, but I care for those on the edges. And there's this beautiful thing that Boaz is doing here. And I'm not trying to make any stand on, like, immigration or anything. I'm just preaching you the word of God, and you can make your own choice here. Is that Boaz is establishing, listen, this, these are not freeloaders. These are not people that, that you, you know what, they should just go get their own. Why don't you just go get your own field? Are you with me? I hope you understand the importance of what I'm saying to you today. Boaz gets no gain from people gleaning the edges of his field except the established principle of God that says, I have compassion for those who are on the outside. And compassion is not pity. Pity is easy. Anyone can pity someone, and it, it, no one likes to be pitied. Compassion is love in action. It is hesed. It is to care for those on the edge financially. It is to care for those who are on the edge nationally. It is to care for those who are on the edge societally, culturally. It is to care for those. Are you with me? It is to care for those who are on the edges to everyone else. To God, they eat from the same field, from the same table. They have the same love. Chesed says you might be on the outside, but through Jesus you are brought in. You are loved, you are seen, you are cared for. Matthew 9.36 says when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The Samaritan woman, when Jesus encounters her in John 4, here's somebody that culturally, they were part of a different nation. They were uh, in uh, constant battle and struggle and strife. There was a lot of animosity between the Samaritans and the Hebrew people, and yet Jesus meets this woman who culturally, meeting with a woman would have been wrong, meeting with a Samaritan would have been wrong, meeting with a woman of this kind of repute and history would have been wrong, and yet what does Jesus do? He sits down and has a conversation with her. You know what my, one of my favorite things about Jesus is right now? He's culturally unacceptable. Because he's constantly accepting who culture says are unacceptable. And bringing in the hurting, bringing in the needy. He laid hands on lepers that they would have kicked outside the gate. He sat with tax collectors that they would have beat up. He hung out with Samaritans. He hung out with prostitutes they would have stoned to death. And yet what did Jesus do with them? He had a burger. 
Because he doesn't just see those on the outside. Boaz doesn't just see those on the outside. He goes to them and compassionately brings them to the inside. Pity means you see them and feel bad for them. Compassion says there is no us and them. There's just us. And everyone is in the family of God. Christmas, hear me, is for everyone. Chesed. We love those who feel like they're sidelined because of their nation or their skin or the dialogue or past hurts. We love them. Because can I tell you, almost everyone here, we've all been them. Because there is no them. There's just us. But I think one of the craziest things about chesed, as we look at gleaning from the edges, is you cannot have chesed without being inconvenienced. Hear me. You cannot have loving kindness without it costing you something. You cannot reflect the deep, passionate love of God without it ruining your schedule. You're going to have a hard time reflecting the deep, deep, deep love of God to others in your family or in this city to really love this town. We're going to have a hard time reflecting the deep love of God if you're worried about it ruining your reputation. Because if it ruined Jesus's, it's probably going to ruin yours. It might. It costs Jesus his life. It, it, it costs something. It's going to cost time. It's going to cost effort. It's going to cost something, change, transformation in our life. But that's the love we all want. That's the love the church needs for one another. Not to just be sitting back and waiting, but to be pursuing and pouring out, letting it cost us something, really giving us something, really pouring out something to really said to love those who are on the outside and bring them in. we got to stop looking at the, out, the inside, waiting for someone to draw us out. We have to look out and bring in, and out and bring in, and care and love, and embrace, because that's the love of God. We are all outside until God sent his son to bring us all inside to the kingdom. That's the beauty of it. And so Ruth gets a plan. From Naomi 2.20 says, this man is our redeemer. In verse 2.20, that means kinsman redeemer. Basically, it was like this. I said, you know, when uh, sons would die, uh, there, and if there were no more sons, there was somebody called a kinsman redeemer. Someone say kinsman redeemer. It's kind of a cool phrase. It sounds like a 90s Christian band. Uh, <laughs> And there's this person in your family that was blood that could redeem your family by marrying the person, or marrying the woman who was, who was in line. And so they were like, they could be like a distant cousin or something. I don't know. They could be all kinds of things, but they had to be in line with a certain way. And so they had this kinsman redeemer. And it's this beautiful reflection of God because basically what you have is through the legacy of your people, by blood, where there was once death and hopelessness, there is now redemption. Are you with me? And so Boaz was Naomi's kinsman redeemer, which makes it seem even unlikely that it was happenstance that she found his field, right? So she finds his field, and Naomi gives uh, basically this plan, and here's what Ruth does. Uh, Ruth 3, 6 says, so she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Okay, super pause. <laughs> okay, I know we read scripture and we jump things. Okay, women, come on. Especially if you're a young woman here. <laughs> young, foreign woman, 
in a foreign land, finds rich man, waits till he gets a little buzzed, falls asleep in the barn, and then goes and lays at his feet. Are we getting, <laughs> this is a risky move. Like, they stone people for this, right? Like, this isn't like, well, he might get mad, and then, you know, I don't know, he's going to just leave me on red. Like, this is like, <laughs> this could be her life. Are you with me? Like, I don't know if there's any, like, 20-year-olds here, or, like, you know, finding someone to sleep at, I don't know, what, hoedowns, what are, what are they doing in barns now? And just laying at their feet like a 40-year-old, like, mayor or something. But this is essentially the situation that's occurring. So uh, Ruth is taking a risk here, right? There's a risk culturally. There's a risk socially. She's putting it on the line, and that's what Hesed takes it. you got to have skin in the game if you're going to have Hesed. And so here's what happens. At midnight, the man was startled. I, I know, surprising, right? All the men are like, I'd be surprised if a girl woke up at my feet. Some of you guys are like, fingers crossed. <laughs> and he said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this lasting kindness. The word there is not kindness. It's hesed, devoted, fierce, committed, loyal love. You have made this last act of deep, devoted love greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen, that you are a worthy woman. Ruth, it says, could have married younger men. She could have married other people. But if it wasn't the redeemer, it would not have redeemed Naomi and her line, which would have left her out. And so Ruth would have pursued uh, a future for her life, her kids for her life, or she could have had a family, but it would have left Naomi out. Remember, everything she's doing is for devotion to Naomi, who she has no legal or moral right to do any of this. She's doing it because she truly loves her. And so in many ways, she's giving up her life in this moment, not knowing what will come, but coming before this kinsman redeemer, believing for more. Here's the thing, and one of the biggest things about chesed is chesed is giving up something you love for something you love even more. This is a team value at Banner Church. We give up something we love for something we love even more. I give up my holidays because I love life transformation more. I... I desire to see a life transformed and changed. I haven't had a holiday by myself in 15 years because I desire life transformation and community being built. The reason I give up my time to drive and meet someone at the hospital or go to their home isn't because I'm required to. It's not part of my job description. It's not written somewhere. It's because I deeply love you in this church. And I might not be perfect, and I might not be the best friend to everybody in this whole church, but I will said the crud out of everybody in this church. And when you need someone, I might not be a baker cookie, but I'm a bury a body friend. And, and, and when at the end of the day, that's my heart, is I'm willing to give up my money. I'm willing to give up my time. I'm willing to give up of me for something more. I'm not perfect. I'm sorry. That, I know that doesn't cut it for everyone. Didn't cut it recently. But I'm not perfect. But I will give up what I love for what I love even more. And what I see in the life of Ruth is that she's willing to give up her young future of her family for Naomi. What do we love most? 
it's ourself, right? I mean, it makes sense. We live in our brain. We don't, like, live in someone else's brain. We live in our brain. We value our time. We value our money. We work hard for it. And so often I feel like we're told to love. You have to not care about the things you're giving up. Yeah, just, you know, give it away for you. But I think you should care. I think it's okay that it hurts a little bit. I think it's okay that it stretches us a little bit because it's not about what we're giving up. It's about the deep, devoted love that we're seeing. See, Hesed surrenders my sake for the sake of others. It surrenders my time so that someone might encounter the life-changing freedom and power of Jesus Christ. It surrenders my Sunday morning that I just want to sleep in so that I can come and greet somebody, so that they might for the first time feel welcomed into a church when they've never felt welcome before. Do you see what I'm saying? Hasid goes deeper, and Ruth redeems her family line. This is amazing. A Moabite woman who was suffering from famine, who was without a husband, who would probably at the time considered to be spurned and scorned by God, is in the lineage of Jesus Christ because she reflects the love of God. I know that sounds like, oh, yeah, that's great. Listen, Israelites I, I would be flipping over the idea of a Moabite outsider woman getting into the lineage of Christ. And yet, if you were with us in this series, you see that's actually pretty normal. God constantly uses people that reflect his love in his lineage. And what's exciting for you and I, if I could say this, is that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. See, just as, as we value that, as Ruth values, values that, it is Jesus who truly, truly values that. Jesus gave up something great, his own life, his own comfort in heaven, so that we might have something greater. For what he loves even greater, which is us. Mark 10, 45, the band can come up, says this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians 2 said, Christ made himself, though he was God, made himself nothing. And was obedient and a servant even unto death. See, Jesus gave up the comfort of heaven so that we might live with him for eternity in heaven. Think about that. He didn't give us something small. It's not like God was like, hey, Jesus, hey, man, I'm sorry. Um, you're going to have to get down there and deal with this. Jesus steps out of time and out of heaven to come down and to be with us because he so deeply, deeply cares for us. He suffered and died so that we might be redeemed. And probably the greatest act of said ever to be done. It's unconditional. It's faithful. It's loyal. If you need an unconditional love, look to Jesus. If you need a loyal love, look to Jesus. If you need a love that will not leave you because you make mistakes, look to Jesus. If you need a, a love that will not leave you because you're having a rough time or a hard day or a difficult season or you're not producing enough, look to Jesus. If you need a love that will love you regardless of what anyone says about you, look to Jesus. That's the amazing thing. That's the amazing thing is that Jesus models his head that we give up what we love for what we love even more. Like we give up our time and our money and our resources and our focus because more than anything, we desire for our family and our friends to not live in eternity separated from the love of Jesus, but to live in eternity with him. Can I tell you, church, there's two options. There's to live in eternity separated from Jesus Christ separated from his love, and then there's an eternity with his love. 
and a life with his love. There's an eternity worshiping him. No suffering, no pain, no war, no racial tension, no divide, just with him and his love. There's, there's only two options. You don't land in the middle and then kind of figure it out like the good place. Like you are just one or the other. And so for us, we have this deep desire for his said love. Like Ruth that looked at Naomi said, if I leave you, you will surely die. But I am devoted to you, so I'm willing to sacrifice of myself in the hope that you might live. See, what we have churches, when we have said, when we have the deep, loyal, faithful love, when we reflect the heart of Christ, we express something that everyone is longing for. And that when they receive, they not only receive freedom of power in this life, but an eternity celebrating with Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't lose that reality in your life this Christmas. Everybody, every person needs to experience the freedom and power of a new life in Jesus Christ. And I asked you two questions when we began. I said, have you received that love? That's a question to ask yourself. Have I, have I allowed myself to receive that or am I still trying to prove something to Jesus? You're like, you know what, I thought there was a class. If I go through the class and if I read the whole Bible, then I will receive it. Listen, you can just receive it right now. You don't got to do anything, prove anything, make anything. You don't got to like bring in something and you know, do a diorama or something. You just have to receive what comes from Jesus. And the second question I asked you was this. If you already know the love of Jesus, are you reflecting his said? Are you reflecting the love of Jesus this Christmas? Are you merely posting about it? Are you merely writing it on a card and hanging it on a tree? Like, I might pray for them if I get around to it. Or are you reflecting it? Is your love in action? Are you the hands and feet of Jesus? This is not to convict you, but to encourage and challenge you. Because every day, his mercies are new. And every day is fresh. And every day is another chance to press into and reflect the love that you've received. Do you care for the outsider? Do you even see them? Do you bring them in? When you come into church, do you just look at the same couple people or do you look out? When you go into work, do you look at the same couple people or do you look out? I said, do we give up something we love for something we love even more? Do we give up our time, our energy, so that our family and our friends and our community might know the freedom of Jesus? If you've lived in the slavery of sin, then you know, like I know, how good the freedom of Jesus Christ is. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I know we went a little long, so I'm going to pray with you. Just close your eyes with me this morning. And the first question that we ask ourselves about has said the loving, faithful kindness of God that is undeserved but fully received from him. If you have never received that, you have never stepped into that, and you're like, man, you know what? I want the freedom and power that comes through a new life in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you today, if you make that choice, we're told if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so this morning, if that's you and you've never, if you've never received that, he's already given it, but you have to say, God, you know what, I choose to follow you and receive it. If you've never received that, then this morning, this is your opportunity. Before we go to bounce houses, before we eat burgers, before we do all that, the most important thing today is that you realize that there is an unconditional love of God for your life. 
And if that's you this morning and you have never received that, but today you're saying, you know what? I want to receive that deep love of God regardless of my past, regardless of my decisions. I want to receive that deep love of God today. If that's you with our eyes closed, focused on him in this morning, if that's you, would you just lift your hand real quick and put it down? can put your hand down this morning. I'm going to pray for you in this place. And if that's you, would you just agree with me? And this is the beginning of an amazing journey as you say yes to Jesus. And when we're done praying, I want you to hear and know that there is not a next step to receive the love of God, that God loves you so deeply right now, right where you're at. And he can do a miracle in your life right now, right where you're at. I want to pray for you this morning. God, you saw the hands that were raised, and we rejoice over them in the name of Jesus. And God, those who right now have felt far from you or maybe who have not experienced your love this morning, God, I pray that they would encounter your love. God, as we say, God, we lay our lives down. We give them fully to you and we choose to follow you. God, I pray as they do that in this moment that you would change their heart and you would give them a revelation of how deeply and how powerfully you love them, that it is unconditional, that it is undeserved, but that you have covered every one of us by your blood, that when you see us, you do not see our sins, but you see the blood of Jesus, and that through him, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we say together, amen, amen. I want to give you one more thing. Keep in this moment with your eyes closed and your head bowed. In this place, this moment, we've been talking not only do you want to receive that love and walk in that, but do you want to reflect that love? And this is more of a commitment than it is a conviction, but it's healthy to our heart to, to, to physically and mentally and spiritually align ourselves. But this morning, if you want to say, I want to, I want to reflect this said love, this faithful, this loyal, this steadfast love of Jesus. I want to reflect that. As I have received it, I want to reflect that to others. But God, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your help in helping me to reflect that to others. If you're here and you're saying this Christmas, I want to reflect that love, would you just lift your hand? We're going to pray together this morning over every hand raised. And when we raise our hands, it's just a posture of surrender and receiving. So as you surrender to God, receive from him the strength that comes through the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you with your hands raised. God, we thank you for every person and every heart in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for every person in this church this morning. And God, I pray that we would reflect your love, God. That like the moon, God, that we, we are not the generators of light, God, but we reflect off of you, God, which you have so portrayed, which you have so given us. God, may we reflect to others. May we be the hands and feet of your love. May we be the outpouring of your love, God, as we are filled with you, Holy Spirit. May we pour out into others. And may this be a season where this church and us as your people are marked by a deep, loyal, steadfast, loving kindness. God, may what flows out of this building not be events but would it be the loving kindness that has said of the most high God. And so help us this season, even in difficult places, in dark places, to reflect your light and your love to others. To reflect your love to others. Yes, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. The Lord is good, amen.